Welcome to the Randomonium Podcast. I'm Danny Gula. And I'm John Stom. And this is a podcast where we like to talk a little bit about the past, a little bit about the present, and a little bit about the future. That's right. But I think you forgot to introduce our uh, incredibly... Chauvinist? Chauvinist. No, he's a good guy. No, it's always a positive attitude. Okay, sorry. I thought we were just picking attitudes. No, it's a positive thing. Because oh. we like this guy. Okay. He's the... Whimsical. Um, the whimsical... Mm-hmm. Producer Jeff McCullough. Hey, Jeff McCullough. How's it going? By the way, Danny, as a producer, I've just decided you are not allowed to come up with adjectives about me any longer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Chauvinist. <laughs> Pointy. He's point. What? You're just. Yeah, you are literally randomly <laughs> picking. Yeah. Just picking I've got random a book words. of random adjectives. I'm just like, eh, we haven't used this one. <laughs> okay. Well, this is the the show where we talk about the past, present, and future, as Danny mentioned. But it's a surprise every time. Yeah. So this on this episode, I'm talking about the past. I've got a topic to bring to the group. Uh, Jeff is bringing the present, and Danny's talking about the future. Yeah. So, are you guys ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Kick it in reverse. All right, into the past. Into the past. This is before the now. All right, so... um, Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring like a question to you guys slash like a discussion point, but it's actually gonna point to the future as well. Okay. Okay. So have you guys noticed as you're kind of cruising the internets, as you do, yep. that you see a lot of um, you get a lot of paywalls from things like um, Wall Street journals and like you know these these big like old uh, journalistic establishments. They kind of give you like this, like they'll, maybe they'll give you like an article or two, but like sometimes it's like, hey, you got to pay if you want to see more. Or oh, yeah, yeah. Like, there's a subscription. A lot of times they're advertising their subscriptions to you, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I get a big problem with the failing New York Times. Okay. Um, they every time I, it'll be like, oh, you've read your max for this month or whatever. Oh, I didn't know there was a, a max. Like, yeah, like the, they'll, works? they'll clip they'll clip you up. But the trick is just to put your browser in private mode and you just keep on oh, reading. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So per month. Per month, they limit how many articles you can read. Like, you get it, like, per article. Like, you've reached the word limit here for this article. No, this one, like, like we'll let you read full articles. Huh. And so then many it has articles. a limit of so many articles. Interesting. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind. Now, mm-hmm. that's that's happening more and more, right? Like, that, that's kind of a relatively new phenomenon over the last, I don't know, several several years. It's been a while, but, like, so, somewhat more than it has been. Yeah. The other thing that's been happening is, uh, it seems like, and we've kind of talked about this on the podcast a little bit before, but, like, um, the idea that these news outlets are getting more and more biased. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're not like, you know, you, you think of like, I didn't go to journalism school, but like what I know of what they, that they should teach you in journalism school is to be as unbiased and objective um, and looking for like, you know, facts and stuff like that. That's, that's your goal is to yeah. be like this, you know, very, I don't know, stoic, like just reporter of facts. That's we, kind of, the, that's the gold standard of a reporter, right? Yeah. I feel like it's partially due to the fact that, there's a lot of opinion pieces. Like mm-hmm. there's so many of these news organizations that have so many, like whether it's the, the the print or the actual video news, like there's so many opinion things. And that's when you think about it. Cause like I'll watch Fox news and I'll be like, okay, this is like good, good news sometimes. And then like the opinion piece comes on and T- Tucker Carlson just starts, you know, spewing his mouth and you're like, okay, now I, I get where this is going. And same thing with, with CNN, you get, mm-hmm. you know, an opinion right. piece from Anderson Cooper, yep. and you're like, yeah, you clearly you're out to get somebody. You've mm-hmm. got an agenda. Right. And it's, sometimes it's hard to read the lines between those. Yeah. Okay, so I think we're we kind of all noticed that is happening more and more, too. So you get, like, um, you get the very biased news sources that are supposedly supposed to be unbiased, and you get this, like, pay, you got to pay to get the news now more right. than ever. So it seems like things are changing, and they're, like, in this 
we're in this weird time now that we've never been in before. Um, things are changing. We should we, we should go back to the the days of journalistic integrity and um, and news is free and like it seems like we're just go- spinning out of control. Like we, we don't know where we're headed. But really, it's not uncharted territory. It's actually back to the way that it used to be. So around 1900, I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna read a couple quotes from this article from Wired. But this is one. <laughs> Until 1900 or so, most newspapers were overtly political, and a name like the Press Democrat meant Democrat with a big D. Which actually, I'm going to pause, because our local newspaper, which is like literally a couple blocks away from where we're sitting right now, Mm -hmm. is called the Belleville News Democrat. And Mm -hmm. we're we're like the one Democrat-leaning county in all of southern Illinois. Right. And so what this is suggesting is that that literally meant, before 1900, that literally was like, we're the Democratic magazine. Um, advertising was a minor concern back then, as party leaders encouraged members to subscribe to their local party organ, obviating the need for anything more than classifieds. So basically, the Belleville News Democrat, for example, I don't know specifically about our local, the history sure. of our local paper, but let's use that kind of thing as an example. Um, the papers were very, like, they, they were <laughs> spent in the Democrat direction. Right. And so, like, there would be the Democratic newspaper and there would be the the opposite, whether it was, you know, the Republican, whatever it was at the time, they would have the multiple different uh, viewpoints would have their own wow. kind of outlet. Nope. And the advertising wasn't a thing. They didn't have to worry about advertisers. Right. Because um, everybody, everybody was subscribed to the magazine. Was, yeah, exactly. They would, you'd support your party and you would support the magazine sure. through subscriptions. Just kind of like what I was just saying about subscribing to the Wall Street, the, the failing New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and all that yeah. nowadays. Do you want to know like how it switched into the 20th century way, which is what we think of as like, a, like I was saying, journalistic integrity, very objective. Let's give us some facts. Do. Yeah. Okay. So let me give you some facts on that. A national market for consumer goods opened after the Civil War. The history buff over here, producer Jeff McCullough, will be interested to know that it was so after the Civil War, like consumer goods exploded, um, department stores uh, wanted to reach large urban audiences. So, you know, like um, bigger stores were opening, people were buying more goods. Right. Um, so, newspapers responded by increasing the number of ads relative to the content. So, that's where you get the more ads coming into the newspaper. Right. And because there's more ads, uh, they switched to the models that went light on the political partisanship in the interest of expanding circulation. So that what that's sense. saying is, yeah, like the so 20th century, people wanted to, you know, the, the market was thing, bigger. Yeah, yeah so con- commercialism was bigger. Uh, there were more ads in the paper. And so people had to kind of tone down their their biased um, rhetoric. reporting. Rhetoric, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of, I, I, I like that. I, I it, it really disappoints me, like, because I, I pretty much right now I get frustrated because I have to go through the news and... Anytime I read something, I immediately have to cross-check it. Like, and I do that. And I know most people don't take the time to do that. Mm-hmm. They won't even read the whole article. They'll mm-hmm. just get fired up immediately. And like, if you see anything and it makes a claim, like, I'll immediately fact-check it. And in the age of the internet, that's not hard to do. Right. You basically Google whatever they're talking about, put the word Snopes after it, mm-hmm. and you're good. Like, you know, like they've already done the work for you. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. I, I, I. I, I get why it was that way before and why it's leaning that way now, but I'm kind of sad. That's interesting. That's that's the bigger point of my, my topic here is getting into how do you feel about this? Because I actually, I don't know. I, I feel like I might be okay with it because I, 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 from my perspective, like, we've really just been hiding it. I feel like in the 20th century, we've just been kind of masking this bias. Like, it, how can anyone really be unbiased? Um, you look at one example in this magazine, or sorry, in this Wired article, is that so the the 20th century model, let's call it that, um, would basically say that the news organization had to be unbiased. So let's say 
New York Times writes an article. It's a let's say this guy from the New York Times writes this article, and that that has to be very objective and and fact based and like not biased um, because it's coming from the New York Times. But then also now in 2019, like that guy's got a big Twitter following. You know, he's a big right. reporter, and so he's expected. Like, why is he expected to be unbiased on his own? Twitter account, but he, he kind of is expected. And people have run into trouble in that before, where they've right. said things, and then the news organization has fired them. So, but why is that? Like, this is a human, and he's got his own opinions. So, like, why are we making him be like this robot? And essentially, isn't that what it is? If 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 there was like eight different big major newspapers, uh, which there aren't really papers anymore, but and they're all objective and fact based, and they're not spun, and they're not spent in any way, like. Uh, why aren't we just having robots write them? Why aren't we just pulling these facts from like? Th- there's a human element that was missing. I think yeah. that's what I'm getting to. I feel like we could we could potentially get back to a human element in the writing that is very spent. Look at um, John Oliver and uh, uh, Trevor Noah. Those guys are. I mean, they they are unabashedly liberal. Right. And I think that's cool. Like there's a but there should be a full market of like biased uh, news sources. So like you know lots of different perspectives. Yeah. I think back in the day, though, what was clear were we knew what were articles reporting facts versus there were specific sections of newspapers that said this is the editorial section or this is the op-eds, whereas now it's so blended together. And I think from an individual um, news organization standpoint, it can be problematic if you only read, you know, go back 100 years, you only read this one newspaper or today you only watch this one news station. But me personally, I actually go to Fox News as frequently as I go to CNN and MSNBC. I, I do too. Because yeah. the, as they always say, when you have two extremes, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and yeah. You, you have to. There's no way around it. Like, don't get me wrong. I love some shows on NPR. But when I listen to NPR, I'm just like, ugh. Like, you are a caricature of liberals right now. Like, you are exactly why, like, what everybody on the right side is making fun of. Same thing when I watch Fox News and those opinion things pop up there. But, like, come uh, uh, come election day, I watched Fox News the whole time. I was like, that's fine with it. I, I think it, it wanted it, it gets the best reception on my antenna, so that's the reason I, <laughs> I watch Fox more often. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. You have to watch both of them, and I, and I can't stand that. That's... That's frustrating, and that makes it hard for me to be informed. And if ever, if it's difficult for people to be informed, then they won't be. They won't be informed. They're they're going to go with what's easiest. They're going to be like, I like this channel. I'm going to watch it. I like this guy. I'm going to watch mm-hmm. it. And the problem is, is when you're only reporting on one side of the thing, you're missing the whole story. I think the only problem is people choose one thing anyway because they like personalities and people and the sameness. You know, like so, our grandparents watch Fox News, Fox News whether it's overtly biased or whether it's just like trying to pretend like it's not overtly biased and i think it's more dangerous to basically say we're very unbiased we report nothing but the facts this is just the straight news and they all say that they all say that and then they're not so that's more dangerous i feel like because then people think i've gotten the facts i i listen to the fox and they tell me the facts so if it was more clear, like, if it was clear, like this is the the right media, yeah. and this is the left media, like then people would are... at least say, okay, I know that I'm getting this one perspective. Well, and I think that's where the whole advertising thing sort of ends up imploding on itself and kind of yeah. backing into itself because now you you I, I can guarantee you that those uh, advertisers who say we're going to advertise on Fox News have done all their homework. They know the demographic of yep. the type of people exactly. that watch Fox News, so they actually are expecting Fox News to now be a product yeah. that represents 
you know, an appeal to their demographic that will also want their product. Yeah. So that's where this whole advertisement and and you know bias of the news organization actually yeah. can get scary. Which, in my opinion, it comes down to the individual. We can't rely solely on the media or mm -hmm. any sort of news organization to. We can't trust them fully, so it comes down to each person having to responsibly mm -hmm. Make consider where they're getting their information. I, I just wish, I wish it was a lot clearer to people, um, and I wish that when we reported on facts, that they said, like it was just that. It's like here's all of the facts, mm -hmm. not here's not we're gonna pick and choose because of what's gonna what's gonna do it. Like here's all the facts, and then we have our op eds, mm -hmm. our opinion pieces. Like it's just I think it's just too hard to do. Like unless it's a, literally a robot writing it. You can't be totally unbiased. Bring the robots, man. You give anybody a platform, and yeah. what are they going to do with it? They're going to use it for what they even if are it's sub about. even if it's subconscious. Sure. Like so even if somebody's saying, "I'm a very unbiased reporter. I'm going to try to give all the facts." Like then when they go home, you know, like off hours, they've got their own beliefs. They yeah. voted for someone. Their own convictions. They've got their own convictions. They're processing through all the facts that they're writing, and they've got a decision. And so like they can't really be unbiased. So I just think it's a little bit. Um, misleading or like even dangerous maybe to be proclaiming that uh, that it's unbiased but I don't know like, we should we'll do forced trades where they swap people from news organizations oh. like <laughs> just make them rotate like yeah. there's a rotation I think every pundit's head would explode the moment oh, they incredible. have to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. put Anderson Cooper right next to C Tucker Carlson oh my gosh yeah that'd be amazing that would be that, amazing. that'd be amazing <laughs> alright well Let's uh, figure out if um, the present is going to give us some, some better news. Let's do it. Let's open the present. Mm. Oh. See what you see did what there, John. See, yeah, see what you did there. It's a present segment, and it's a present like a gift. Because Jeff brought it to, to us. you. And I like how, it. how, like, just... Proudly, you were nodding your head after that. You're like, yes, yeah. gentlemen, yes, yes. I just said that. Just it said should that. be noted that at VAT19, where John and I work uh, 40 hours during the week, we've implemented a new bad joke policy where you're forced to go into timeout. That's right. Honestly, that's kind of, for work, though, that's kind of a reward. <laughs> well, we, do, we don't actually do it. We just say, like, all right, 10 minutes, get out of here. Get, go. <laughs> it's, it's yet to be enforced. <laughs> Who came up with that rule? Uh, I think it was Drew. It was Drew, yeah. Drew, that means he's the one with the worst jokes because he wants to spend some time in time No, out. he's the youngest. He's the coolest out of all of us. Uh, so. yeah. He's not a dad yet. So he's yeah. not a dad yet. <laughs> he's not a dad, so he's, like, sick of all of our old dadness. Dad jokes. All right, so let's, let's uh, talk about some present things. Let's do it. All right, so there's something going on right now. Mm. That's why I picked this topic. Okay. The Grammys. As, yeah, that's right. The <gasps> Grammys. Thank you, Danny. As we are speaking right now... That's the, happening right now? The Grammys are taking place. Oh, I thought that was right next now. week. No. Yeah. All right. So are you disappointed that you're not watching? I mean, I, my wife and I kind of have a tradition of watching it together. Uh, my oldest son was born on the night... Like, the Grammys were going on as oh. he was being born, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know. We just kind of always watch it together. Yeah, I, I used to be a big awards show guy, but I'm not so much anymore. Yeah. So I thought I'd bring some uh, Grammys fun facts. All yeah. right. I'm into it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll present them as questions, see if you guys can get close to the uh, bullseye. I'm so bad with new music. Like This isn't new. This is like the, the Grammys as an institution. Okay, cool. Okay. So here's some questions for you about the Grammys. Do you know what the original name of the Grammys was? The gramophones. It's got to be like the Music Association Award or something like that. 
the grand the grandpas the the gr no, you had it. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna stop really? right there. Yeah, the gramophone award. Yeah, oh. that's a Grammy show for, short for. Nice. Under the gramophone, which explains the small gilded gramophone statues that are presented to the winners. Right. Nice. Okay. Fun yeah. fact: Before um, settling on the term Grammy, the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences chose to call it an Eddie, after. Thomas Edison, who invented oh, the, the gramophone. The gramophone. Okay. He, he invented the gramophone? I didn't he did. know that. He invented everything. They I, called, they I, didn't, I didn't know he invented I thought he invented like a form of it, but I didn't know he invented the thing. That's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. They could well, have called it the Tommies. Yeah, he invented the spindle. The thing that was the, like a The phonograph a record, yeah. Yeah, the toilet paper roll thing that yeah. just spun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what year was it broadcast live for the first time? Actually, before that, let me ask you this. When was the first Grammys? The first Grammys. First Grammys. Gotta be... Mm. I'm thinking 40s. I'm gonna say 55. Okay. Now, if you really think about this, the history of music, when did pop music kind of start? I mean, I know you had jazz and you had blues and all that, but when did like pop... Like, turn on the radio, you got DJs and all that 60s. stuff going on. It's going to be 1959. Yeah. Okay. So you're riding that version, 1950s, 1950s yeah. and 60s. Okay. So that's when the Grammy Awards uh, began. And when was the first time that it was broadcast live? That they actually broadcast it on television? Yeah, live on television, not like pre-recorded. Did they okay. have live television at that time? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, live television like, been around for The a while. Beatles were live on Ed Sullivan, right? Yeah, yeah. that was in... 62? Yeah, and, and there was live newscasts and stuff like that going on in the yeah. 50s. I would say then if it started in 59, you said? Yeah. Okay, let's say uh, 64. 66. I would have said that same exact time frame, because that's when the Beatles, they were doing like their worldwide broadcasting, yeah. the love song and all that. It wasn't until 1971. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. So, the, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Like if it was so, it was probably new for a while. People didn't really care that much and... Mm -hmm. yeah. And the recording industry was still really young at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into some awards. Who won the first Grammy for rap performance in 1989? Oh, Sugar Hill Gang? No, that's that's way too late. Uh, 1989 for rap, rap performance? That's right. MC Hammer. MC Hammer. Pretty close, um, but it actually preceded him. It was actually Will Smith. The Fresh Prince and Ooh. DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh, that makes sense because huh. he really broke into like the whole MTV era. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was the first one. Mm -hmm. Parents just don't understand. I think it was his song. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. Who was the youngest person to win a Grammy at age 14 years old? Oh snap! Someone we all know. If you need a hint, I can help you. The youngest person to win a Grammy at age 14. 14. Was it that yodeling kid that just came out on YouTube? No, not uh, that kid. Nope. This has been. Um, <laughs> was it? Uh, think country music. A Grammy for country. She was oh, it's Taylor Swift. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't. What? No, she got popular when she was like 16. Leanne Rimes was 14 years old. Leanne Rimes was that young? Uh -huh. I did not know. Wow. So the other end of the spectrum. Who is the oldest person to win a Grammy at 94 years old? Just think of old dude. How old is Willie Nelson? Jimmy Carter. 94 years old. Jimmy Carter winning a Grammy. <laughs> he just won one this year, I'm pretty Doesn't sure. Make sense. Really? A, a Grammy? Yeah, you, there's Grammys for all kinds. There's Grammys for like spoken word albums. There's Grammys for comedy albums. So Jimmy Carter has a spoken he does, word album. I'm pretty sure Jimmy, Gram <laughs> Jimmy Carter has won a Former Grammy. Former U.S. Today. President James Carter. I'm he pretty sure he won has. something tonight. I mean, I know Robin Williams won Grammys can for like win? comedy albums. Maybe you can win a Grammy for a speech, like a recorded speech. Yeah, that, that is a thing. You can win them for that. Okay, hey. I'll help you out. It was, uh, well, I don't know. This guy was a musician slash comedian. 94. Just think old dude. Ooh. It's I don't know. This guy might be a little... Like, he might have passed away 
when you guys were still kind of young. Rodney I Dangerfield. No, George Burns. Oh, uh, cigar Burns. guy. Yeah, yeah. Monkey, oh God, did you ever watch the Oh God movies? Yeah, with uh, uh, John Denver. Yes, those are excellent movies. I love those movies. Okay, who holds the record for being the most nominated artist to never actually win a Grammy? This is hilarious and sad. Oh, watch it be Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> that was his whole thing. For That's it. right. Um, most nominated but never won. Mariah Carey. The Leonardo DiCaprio of the Grammys. Brian McKnight. Uh, 16 nominations. Wow. That's losing every time. Do you get at least like a frame certificate if you get nominated? Do you feel like he went like on the 16th time? Do you think he was like, I'm just going to stay home? <laughs> All right. In 2007, this uh, artist or these artists hold the record for winning a Grammy for the longest titled piece of work. If you know this title, then it's going to ruin it. But let's see if you can guess the band if you don't know this work. The wizard turns on the giant silver flashlight flaming and lips. puts out the werewolf moccasins. That's right. It's the flaming lips. I, 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 I totally guessed. I don't know that. Did album, you really? I was like, no. that, that sounds like a, that that sounds I like don't a know. Flame. But that's the best rock instrumental performance of 2007. I mean, huh. I literally did not know that was a flaming lips. I mean, you can tell just by the words. Like, that's just yeah. sounds like I mean, what is it? Yoshimi battles a pink robot. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like it sounds it like you're sound high like and you made up some words. Yeah. All right. Which puppet has won the most Grammys? Which puppet? Mm -hmm. It's got to be Kermit. Kermit the Frog. No, actually, it is Elmo the Muppet has won three Grammys, including 1998 Elmo Palooza, of course. (laughs) Uh, Of course. (laughs) Still a Muppet. We were in the rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's going to be a puppet winning a thing, it's going to be a Muppet. (laughs) Yeah. All right, just a few more here. Who has won more Grammys? Jay-Z or Queen Bee? Oh, that's a tough one. I got to see Queen Bee. Queen Bee, yeah. Trick question. Jay-Z and Beyonce are tied oh. in their Grammy wins, at least as of whenever I got this that, information. That's cute. 17 trophies. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, another fun one that's kind of the same type of question. Who has won more Grammys? Kanye West, The Beatles, Barbara Streisand, or James Taylor? <sighs> Barbara Streisand. She's won a ton. Because she's been in musicals, mm-hmm. movies... And like she like has sang albums too. Like she's had to have won a ton. I feel like the Beatles. It's one of those like they haven't really won that many or whatever. They, like, they, you got to think they were active in those early years yeah, where they, it wasn't even being televised. No, they weren't even making stuff. I mean, maybe like some of the compilations have won Grammys, but it's got to be Streisand. Sadly, another trick question. I apologize, but Kanye West has won. 21 Grammys, which is more wow. than the Beatles, Barbra Streisand, and James Taylor combined. Wow. Holy moly. Now, that's the thing. is because he was a producer way before he actually made his yeah. own music. So that's... he probably won a lot before he did that. Because I remember when he came out, like, as making his own music, everyone was like, oh, dude, Kanye West is making making music. And I'm like, who? He's like, oh, he produced all the... And they were listing off all the stuff he named. And, he's, and they kind of described it as, why am I making all these guys awesome music when I could make it for myself? Side question. I want to get your guys' opinion on this. Kanye West, is he a genius or totally overrated? Uh, oh, he's absolutely a genius. He's just insane. I don't know. Jury's still out for me. It's. Where do you stand right now? I just... I Okay, well, full disclosure, I don't really listen to much Kanye West. Like, I don't really just dive deep on his albums, but um, cultural like significance and like... Influence. I mean, it's impossible to deny like how incredible he is. How do you how do you define a genius? It's so hard to say because he's like he's so wacky that like I mean that doesn't really matter because a lot of people are wacky. I think Tom York is a genius, but he's super wacky too. But 
I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's a genius. Like in yeah. terms of like the the poopy scoop song, like poopy scoop. It's ridiculous, but it's like it it's, gets in your head. It's it's hooky and it's fun and it's weird and like I can't. I it's like irresistible somehow. Like I yeah. I want to listen to it even though I hate it, but I love it. Like it's I think that tension makes him. Like, I don't know something about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think he's a genius. I think a lot of geniuses are do are like struggling with their own mind in some way like i think that's probably a fairly common trait mm -hmm. um and i think he's absolutely nuts but i do think and i it, basically this is how i always feel about kanye west because i'll see him do something and i'm like oh we should stop giving this guy a microphone and a pedestal and then i hear him make music i'm like yeah you are that good because he'll talk about how great he is and i'm like if only he wasn't right this would be easier <laughs> I think he's overrated. Let's move on. <laughs> Who holds the record for the most Grammys by a solo artist? Michael Jackson. Ooh, that's good. It's a great guess. That is a great guess. It is incorrect. It's incorrect though. Okay, so Frank Sinatra. Most, another good guess by a solo artist. It's someone that you won't think of, but when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, that's it. That makes sense. Um, Celine Dion. <laughs> John just keeps going, and I'm trying to think of the guy's name. The guy who looks like. Uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, but with crazy 80s hair. Uh, oh, uh, Stevie Wonder? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Stevie Wonder is actually the answer. Okay. Okay, he's won 28 Grammys. <laughs> he looks just like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> now that you think about it. No, it's the guy I'm thinking of. I was just playing his music at work the other um, day. I, I can't get Neil Diamond out of my head, but it's no, it's, uh, it's the guy that he sings. He used to be the lead singer of The Faces. Why can't I think of that and not his name? The Faces? Yeah, that was his band. I wish that... Rod Stewart. Oh, no, no. gosh. Rod Stewart. When I was younger, that's the faces. No, I'm, really? I'm a huge not Rod Stewart fan. Oh no, I'm not a big Rod Stewart fan either. But we were listening to him the other day. It was but that fun. song is awesome. It's uh, it's in a Wes Anderson movie that I love. True, yeah. but if it wasn't, it'd be a terrible song. Um, <laughs> right? Rod, he does look like Abraham Lincoln, doesn't he? He you know does. What? Stevie Wonder doesn't know if he looks like Abraham Lincoln or not. That's true. He might. <laughs> he might. He yeah. might think. <laughs> Whose Grammy was posthumously good word awarded in 2010 and received by his children? George Harrison. No, close. That would have been more like 2002. Okay. Posthumously, are you pronouncing that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you it's know not what that means? Post post uh... Nope, it's posthumously. Really? Mm -hmm. Not posthumously. Posthumously? That's how I've been saying it. <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> yep. That's incorrect. Danny. Thank you for teaching me something today. Uh, whose was given to them? Uh, uh, mm. Somebody who died after they made something. Oh, it's Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. I was going to say oh. that again. I was like, I don't want to guess the same thing again, but. All right, a couple more here. What band has won the most Grammys? What band? Nickelback. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> if Rolling you say, Stones. If, if you say Nickelback, I'm just I'm gonna walk out. Yeah, the Rolling Stones. Good guess. Right, mm. uh, country. Wrong band. Actually, right. You two. Region. You two. Good oh, job. yeah, that makes sense. Twenty-two to date. See, wow. I, I Good hate job, when guys. people knock you two. I get not liking them. But man, uh, Bono does so much good for the world, and they, they've made a huge mark on music. They just make good music. Period. Some of it. I'm a huge U2 fan, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of stinkers. Every band that's been around for 35 or 40 years is going to have some stinkers. They make good music. They make some good music. Well, as the Grammys are continuing to air right now, that is your present segment. That was, that was fun. I we, we missed every one of them. No, I got a few. What are you talking What'd about? What'd you, you get? You missed every one. What'd you get? I got, uh... uh Nah. Fa flaming Lips. Oh, I got Flaming Lips. I got that's right. Lips. You got Flaming Lips. Yep. Lucky guess. Lucky guess. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, hit the old... But forward. So it's just... Oh, that's good. That's a good fast forward sound. Thank you. Yeah. 
into the future, all the way to the year, uh, we're going to talk about the year 2019 today. That's not Whoa. That's that far into the future. I mean, we're in that year, but we're going to talk about later this year. Okay. All right, so we've already talked about this topic before a bit, but I feel like there's a lot more things we can get into, and mm-hmm. I really want to kind of get through your guys' heads and see where you're at with okay. this. Um, so it's almost like a little bit of a sequel to some of the, the previous topics we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a significant amount of, as has been in the in the recent past, uh, there's a significant amount of remakes and reboots happening this year. Right. Some very uh, excited ones, some that people say are, are looking very cool and they're, they're going to be awesome. You're talking movies? I'm talking movies. Yeah, remakes. And- so Pet Cemetery's coming out. They're doing Whoa. a new Pet Cemetery. Trailer looks really cool. Hmm. Um, supposedly they've announced they're making a new Crow movie, which The Crow has a, has a pretty big cult following. I'll go through some of these other ones, um, which are in there. Uh, Fletch, supposedly they're making another Fletch movie. Uh, Starship Troopers, they're making another Starship Troopers, possibly re- redoing or sequeling The NeverEnding Story. Hmm. Uh, Short Circuit has been announced. Oh. Come on. Okay. Um, Johnny number five. This one I'm particularly excited about. I love the original Weird Science. <laughs> um, Wicked is getting a is getting a movie. Oh, uh, no, no, thank you. That's the first one I'm going to say. Hard <laughs> yeah. Pass. Spawn is getting rebooted. Um, fairly low budget. Uh, I got one more list here that had some other good ones on here that are missing on that list. That was a bigger list. Oh, they're they're doing a new uh, Pikachu movie, like a live action mm-hmm. star or Pokemon yeah, movie. Yeah, trailer for that just released. Yeah, Lion King, uh, Aladdin coming out. Those, Sh- those are live action. Those are live yeah. action. Well, they're calling them live action. It's so much CG. It's just realistic CG. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shaft. Now it's just called Shaft, but it's technically a sequel to the first Sam Jackson Shaft, which is technically a sequel to all the other Shaft movies. They're just calling them Shaft. Um, I guess because that's just, he's so cool, that's what you call him. Uh, what Men Want is a, a reboot, but switching genders. Uh, it's coming out soon. They're possibly doing Big Trouble in Little China. Hmm. Dumbo coming out again. Hellboy getting rebooted. Uh, we already talked about Pet Cemetery. Um, there's a possibility of Scarface getting rebooted. So I've just listed a whole bunch of things. Oh, one last thing they're possibly talking about rebooting Highlander. Hmm. So, but there can only be one. There can only be one. So, well, there's a TV show too. So there was a lot of them. Yeah. So my question to you is: as I've just I've just rambled off a huge list of these. You don't have to answer to any one of these in particular because you might know of some other ones. But what do you guys think about the idea of rebooting or doing these like late sequels um, to these movies? I, on one hand, it bothers me because I am always hungry for new ideas. Um, at the same time, we've also talked about how our culture is very nostalgic, so it just seems indicative of us to want to go back and bring things into the, the now. Um, and is it really, if you think back to even like other cultures, ancient cultures, I think repeating and retelling and even embellishing stories is kind of part of the cultural evolution. So maybe it makes sense that we're doing this. I just would prefer that we keep coming up with more original stories. Sure. I feel like I'm I'm always skeptical. Yeah. I'm like skeptical that they can do it as good or better, hopefully, than the original or, you know, the previous ones that we all know and love. Like, sometimes the sequel's better or the remake or the reboot is better. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like the Dark Knight trilogy is better than the uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah. I know that might be in... I might be in... uh, you know, minority territory there. I don't know if everybody agrees, but I think the Michael Keaton one's cool. But I will, t- I would agree with you. I think the the dark, the Christian Bale trilogy is is better. So like, I remember, 
going into the first Batman Begins, going into that being like, okay, all right, how are they going to... But they had actually, you know, really they had, they had already killed the Batman series with the George Clooney and like yeah, they got so rough. hokey and so maybe I was a little more hopeful there. But generally, I'm like, I don't know if this is even gonna be good. But then sometimes you get pleasantly surprised. I think more often than not, though, you get let down. And I have the very unpopular opinion: Batman Begins is the best of all the Batman movies. Mm. I think it's better than Dark Knight. Oh, I think Batman Begins is incredible. Man. I think it's really good too. Um, but Dark Knight, man, is, is is great too. But I think that all three of those are really good. But I and I was also gonna say like another reboot that I think is really a remake that I thought was amazing. I never saw the first one, but it's one of my favorite movies, Ocean's Eleven. Oh yeah. Ocean's yeah. Eleven was a remake. So I don't think And Ocean's thirteen is better than Ocean's Eleven. But I think oh, that Ocean's thirteen is incredible. Ocean's twelve is meh. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, is sometimes you're like surprised that the sequels are better. Yeah. I, I think that it kind of like begs the question though with that like how long should you wait before you do a reboot or a remake uh, well, right. the thing that's annoying me right now is that these classic movies from like the 1980s and 1990s sure which is you know within a lifetime easily like why are they why are they already reaching back to that stuff well i th- i think that kind of goes into the lines and so that, that's kind of answered my next question or i mean well, well that'll lead into the next question too which is i think there's a huge uh market now and you got to consider the ages of the people that go to movies. They're making those remakes for people who never really got to experience. And for us, it's hard to think of because we're not that old. We're in our 30s, mid-30s. Um, and it's hard for us to think of, like, why are we rebooting these movies from the 80s? But there's so many kids or so many adults who are grown adults now of drinking age who were born in the 90s. So they've got no memory of these 80s movies. Maybe they've seen them. Maybe they haven't. Like, think about when and you were a kid. pull out the VCR and show how many, how many, ki- How many movies from the 70s did you watch, realistically? That's true. And my dad would try to show me movies from the 70s. I'd be, be, like, be like, these movies are terrible. Yeah. Show me Back to the Future. So yeah. I think there's something to be said. I, I get it. It's it's hard for people when you when you experience this great movie. And you still watch it and you love it. Um, but, yeah, they're not always as good. So my question to you is, what movie would you love to see a remake of? And mm. what movie would you say, please never touch? Mm. I think there are certain classics that should never be touched. I think that it was not good for them to go back and try to do something with Wizard of Oz. I mean, that is just such a staple, mm-hmm. just institution of cinema and storytelling. Just leave it be. Yeah. Um, so for those class, like don't, you don't go and remake Citizen Kane. Yeah. Don't go back and reboot the Godfather. Like, those need to be untouched. They belong, even if their production quality is out of date, leave them be. They are what they are. Um, but yeah, I don't I know. Think, I'd have to think about No, sorry. I was going to say, like, probably part of the reason. I was trying to think of, I agree with you, and I'm trying to think of, like, why. I'm thinking those specific ones, like, the production of it was almost as legendary or iconic as the actual story. So, like, sure. like the, the telling of that story is almost as, like, um, yeah, iconic as the actual story that you're telling. So, like, Citizen Kane, um, the fact that Orson Welles, like, shot so much of that and acted in it and, like, did so much of it himself, like, that's... It's a great point. Yeah, that mm-hmm. you can't do that again. So, you know, unless you got, like, Spielberg, like, acting yeah. in it and digging in the trenches to hold the camera and lighting and, like, I mean, you know? That's a fantastic point because the three movies that I just mentioned, yeah. Wizard of Oz was the first, like, color. full-length features in color and yep. all um, the Godfather was like this really unique, like slow burn drama that you can't get away with anymore because everything needs to explode within the first right. five minutes. Mm-hmm. So the 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 function of storytelling in those movies is tied to yeah. the story so much so that you can't touch those. Yeah. You know, another one that you didn't mention that I just heard about this week is 
a reboot of sorts of Indiana Jones with Chris Pratt playing Indiana Jones. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. I could get into that. See, but that's just that's where, in my opinion, you know, they talk about cultural appropriation and you know, uh, like racial appropriation, all this other stuff. To me, that's where you're just kind of like saying, let's tell the same story and just put a younger face on it. I don't know what that generational appropriation or what. I guess that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's entirely necessary. Maybe from again a, a movie production sure. quality standpoint, but um, well, I would just say I think my kids have, I think my kids have the right to enjoy. Indiana Jones as a story, as a character, and I don't know if the original movies are going to be enough to hold, like, to entertain my kids, like, because they're used to movies the way they are now. And I've been actually that particular series. I've been waiting for the moment to introduce my son to Indiana Jones, and he's getting, you know, he's getting there a little bit, but he's, he's still pretty young. And I, but I, I watched those, and I'm like, I don't know if he could stick around through this whole movie. It's it's a little slow in the pacing. Sure. Um, I can see that. I have one for you. Um, a, a different question that's kind of related to this. Um, what about... I, they They frequently will turn... Um, or maybe in the 80s and 90s they did this. They would turn a movie into a TV series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But lately they've been going in the other direction. Or there's been talk of, you know, when series get canceled, well, they'll just make a make movie. Make a movie, yeah. Um, what do you guys... What are your thoughts on that? Taking TV series, popular TV series. I know X-Files did it. Mm-hmm. And actually making feature-length films is that is that appealing to you guys i like it i think it's i think it's a good way to like if there's a desire like pick when they pick up the show again like oh cool like roseanne got picked up again neat (laughs) but um like i think it's a cool way to like just like hey give something to the fans like let's come back let's do one thing it's short they did it with psych there was a psych movie i don't know if it came out yet Hmm. um but they shot it i know like i think it's a good thing to be like hey let's all get back together let's do one thing and then put it away like Mm. Then I don't think it hurts the series as long as it's still connected. And like, and then you can get kind of the old man kind of coming back thing, but it's just kind of short and quick. And I think it it makes sense from a TV series uh, point of view. Do you think we'll ever reach a point to where they start rebooting? And maybe they have. So I, I should probably think about this before I ask. Rebooting TV series. So for example, mm. would they? Would you be okay if they, they rebooted are. Cheers with different characters? I could see it. They have done it. They're rebooting uh, for the second time. Um, Twilight Zone. Yes, they are. And that was actually I forgot about that. But one. those that are on my like list. self-contained stories. So that's more of like a resurrecting of a of, of a brand, right? Yeah. Um, whereas like Cheers, like if you would have a new Sam Malone yeah. and a yeah. new Frasier and new Norm. Yeah. Um, I think I think there's room for that. Again, I think it's still because I've been watching Cheers again. And it's definitely it's it's hilarious. Okay. It's it's a great show, but about, it's, it's how, totally dated. How uh, about a reboot of Seinfeld while we're at it? <laughs> See, it's so tough because I feel like um, yeah, it's pointing out something that I, I think like yeah, you're kind of getting at the under the surface. I think if they do a reboot of something like that, the new actors aren't necessarily like they're just going to be imitating the old actors. And why, sure. you know, like is the character of. Uh, um, Kramer, like so important, like that character is that is so important to our cultural, you know, I don't know, zeitgeist or whatever. That like a hundred years from now, like, well, if we want to reboot Seinfeld, we have to do those characters because that represents America. It's just, it's not yeah, really. I, I feel it's like just it, like that. Michael Richards did a funny character, and like it worked with that ensemble. So like, let's just leave it. But they I have think, rebooted shows where they, it's like a new generation. Yeah, they told you they did it with Knight Rider. They did it with Dallas. They did it with yeah. Hawaii Five O. Yeah, um, they've done it with. I haven't um, seen any of those. Uh, I haven't either. Did but they I just pull back the now. exact same characters and just the new actors acted like those old characters? It's you know? basically kind of. no. I think it's basically like they 
it's just a current version of it. They're yeah, it's not just trying a current version. To, and yeah. that, that raises that brings to my point when I think it's okay. Like, so I don't think Seinfeld would work. Reason being is Seinfeld is just a show about nothing. It's really it's it's about that time period. And I would argue there are plenty of other shows that are reboots of Seinfeld because they're just telling same kind of story, like people in a similar kind of environment telling their story. Like that's a good and point. then they're doing it now. But where it's a thing like um like Knight Rider where oh this guy has a talking car, robot car, like yeah. okay, that's that's, that's something that like that's a premise that worked in the eighties. They told it for that time. Like we could do that now and tell that we had that premise, we could we could tell that story now. X Files. Um it's about a group of um FBI uh people and our agents that invest paranormal things yeah like that's a that's a topic that you could then now apply to now mm-hmm. um and it doesn't have to be the same characters right. it doesn't have to be exactly the same where they don't have to imitate them you're just taking the idea of the show there if you rebooted seinfeld you would it literally have to be okay let's find a kramer let's find a jerry let's find an elaine let's do this whole thing and i don't think that would work as well because then you're just imitating people versus the idea of what the story is based around. Yeah, and I like the idea of like um, making a new creation in that same universe. So like same with um, uh, Rogue One in the yep. Star Wars universe. Same kind of you, different people, not not trying to make a new Luke or a new Han, but you got like new people in the same world. And the, also the same, I literally just um, came across this like an hour ago. Um, there's some show, this might be old, I don't know, I just discovered it because I uh, my kids are now just this age, but uh, there's a show called The Lion Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like in the the world of the Lion King, and like oh, oh, Simba, yeah, yeah, yeah. Simba is like the king, but there's like all these new characters. Yeah, yeah. So like I think that works, where it's like this, sure. it's, it's the same universe because you know it's continuing the story. Yeah, that same kind of like a lot of those elements work, but like you don't need to find the same characters, same actors. Like it just I don't know. Sure. So do you have any? Do you have anything that you were desire like that you'd be like? Oh, I'd love to see this remade now. I think I'm going to go with Lawrence of Arabia. I think it's a touchy one, but I think I would love to see that story told with the capabilities and the, the way we tell action movies now. My one movie that I would like to see remade by a specific person. Okay. The Graduate. You ever seen it? No, I've never seen it. I know of it. Yep. Uh, it's the kind of the biggest source of inspiration for Wes Anderson. I was just going to say, do you want to see Wes Anderson make that And I want Wes movie? Anderson to remake oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I would love for the person who's been very inspired by a certain thing to remake that thing. That would be really cool. Fantastic. I, I like would. That. It would be really, I don't know, it would be weird. Because you'd see this like this full circle effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and watch The Graduate through the lens of like, this, this is inspired. This I, inspired I've never Wes seen Anderson. it before, but I'd like to see Because when you first said that, I'm like, and I know the story, I'm like, I'd love to see Wes Anderson make this movie. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know all that, but... Why, if this has become kind of a normal thing for movies to be rebooted or sequelized or whatever, um, why hasn't that happened with music? I, that's that's a good question. In what sense? There's nothing stopping. It, it almost used to be more popular than it is now to like write a cover or do, to perform a cover of something. Or I mean, people do covers, but like they're not popular. Um, right. You look at the charts, and none of them are like straight up covers. Um, but back in the day, that's what you did. Like someone would write a song, someone would perform it, and then another person would perform it, and mm-hmm. then another person would perform it. Maybe like, oh, this is Frank Sinatra's version, and this is so and so's version of it. Like that they all had common, their own yeah. versions of the same song. Now it's like I wrote this song, nobody else touches it. This is my song, and everyone's supposed to have their own unique song. So like, why can't uh, let it be just be done by another band? I mean. Like the whole album or the the song? Well, I don't know. Like, I'm just picking a random song. Like, I'm thinking uh, people would probably have the same reaction 
as we're having to the movie thing, if like suddenly you heard "Let It Be" on the radio by they, a different band, you'd be like, "What? What?" They've they've done that a little bit, like in the in the late '90s, early 2000s. That was kind of a thing, but it was more of a merging of genres, where like Sting would do something with uh, Puff Daddy or Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Was with, that also with Puff Daddy? With Puff yeah. Daddy, okay. So I guess he was reaching <laughs> yeah, yeah, back. Yeah. Um, and it was I, really just Puff Daddy. <laughs> I I know that there have there have been songs that have been covered that are really well done. Like, like I know uh, that um, Aerosmith and Run DMC. Yeah, there there have been those things, but I'm actually thinking of the Foo Fighters redoing. Um, is it Baker Street or? Oh, they did that. They did that. They did that, and it's fantastic. Huh? Or if you remember, um, there was a band in the early 2000s that did a cover of Annie. Are you okay by Michael right. Jackson? Um, yeah, uh, Alien Ant Farm. Alien Ant Farm. That's <laughs> it. Alien Ant Farm. Yeah, and I feel like um, I feel like there's not a direct comparison because they're literally just taking it, taking the song, doing, doing it in either their genre. But I feel like the like the kind of comparison would be like, would it be okay to take the idea? Because if we're really thinking of like reboots, are really just taking a story and kind of retelling it for today's world, you'd have to take those songs that are stories and then be like, could I rewrite this in a way to where it's really gonna be the exact same song, what the song's about, but maybe the chords are gonna be different, maybe the melodies are gonna be different, but I'm, I'm taking the storytelling song, because we don't have a lot of storytelling artists anymore. I feel yeah, like, like, a, like American Pie or something like that. Yeah. Right. Country music has that, I feel like, still. Country music still has a lot of storytelling, but I feel sure. like you'd so, need to redo an entire album. Like, maybe somebody's gonna look at, and they're gonna say, like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna redo Dark I'm Side I'm gonna of take the Abbey Road, yeah, I'm gonna take Dark I'm gonna take these albums that were big stories, and I'm gonna retell this whole album in my way. Now, that's that's a good point. I could see that being a thing. I just don't think that we're there right now because right now it's all about, you know, the ra- it's still about the radio play. It's still about the singles. It's about yeah. the big hits. It's interesting. I, with the internet, we might get there though. Yeah, it's Danny, so you're, you're kind of you're kind of frightening me because you're thawing me a little bit. And and the more I, you know, you're talking about the the current generation deserves to hear a story that's a little bit more relevant to their experience and maybe a type of storytelling that is is more accessible to them than maybe. You know, when somebody did watch The Wizard of Oz in 1941 or whenever that came out. Um, Maybe for that purpose, and and again, going back to the comment I made earlier about every culture has its own way of preserving stories and telling stories, that maybe maybe that's not a a bad thing after all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm glad. You've... you've Job, I've never, dude. I've never seen Jeff switch on this, on this particular topic. We've discussed this a lot. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, one day I will convince you that big zinc is not that big of a deal. Oh, we'll get into big zinc. <laughs> that's a, that's a topic for another day. This is gonna be like our uh, apologies to Matt Damon. We're out of time. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about big zinc another time, man. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll we'll stop it there. Yeah. I think that I think the fact that we've 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 softened Jeff's old man shriveled up gray heart. You have. I kind of feel like the the cinema Grinch, the heart has actually grown a couple <laughs> it's grown sizes. It's burst the scale. Yeah, yeah. good. Like, we're all open to seeing some reboots. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap that up because I feel like we, we we hit a good we hit a good note there. I think. All right, for the Randomonium Podcast, I'm Danny Gula, and I'm John Stom. I'm Jeff McCullough. See ya.